Well, I want to start out and say happy Father's Day, um, mainly to myself and some of you. So, uh, no, I, I love Father's Day. I love it. The, the older that I get, the older that my kids get. And uh, because, because I can see a lot of the, the fruits of kind of my labor and, and the work over the years and just to be able to see the joy of that. And um, now my kids are seven and 10. And the other day I went to visit a farmer friend of mine and he's got, he's got a bunch of boys. He's got four boys. I'm like, you are crazy. It's good you live on a farm so you can put them in a stall. Um, that's how that works, right? Um, and uh, I, was, I was talking to the oldest one who's five years old and, and his name's Max. I was like, Max, how's it going? And it was funny. He, he starts into the story about how the dog ate his shoe and, and he's like, that, that Josie, if you leave a shoe in the yard, she will eat it every time. And I'm like, you are your dad. Because I've seen him tell stories before, and I've heard him use voice inflection before. And, and man, if I could put the two side by side, it, it, it would be the plainest thing in the world that you are your father's son. And I was thinking about that, and, and, and as I thought through that, I was like, you know what? His dad never, never sat him down and said, all right, son, this is how you tell a story. This is how you, you move your hand when you're about to make the point. This is how you inflect your voice. This is just, that's just what happened from being around dad, right? And so look, this is, this is my challenge. This is my call to us who are fathers, especially those of us who are fathers of young kids. You have no idea all the little things that you do and the influence that they have, right? So let's, let's, let's live lives of love, Let's lead with patience and with gentleness and with understanding. So, so those are the things that show up in the lives of our kids because they're gonna tell stories like us. They're gonna laugh like us. But really what matters is if they follow God like us and they love others like us, right? So, so let's, uh, let's be dads that, uh, that live this out at home and get to see God do some cool things through our own household. Uh, well, this morning, uh, as we transition to what our series is about, we're, we're in a new series. We're going to be in Ecclesiastes, um, which if you've read Ecclesiastes, you may or may not be excited about it because a lot of people read Ecclesiastes and it's like this real downer, um, and, and we'll talk about why that is. But I'm excited because Ecclesiastes is written by a, a guy, or I believe it's written by a guy named Solomon, who would have been the son of the famous King David. And Solomon is a guy who's, who's promised and changed after great wisdom. He's called the wisest man to walk the face of the earth. And, and he's, he's kind of like the genius of all geniuses. Like if you needed advice, Solomon was the guy that you, you wanted to go to. And not, not like if you were an ordinary person, like if you were, if you had the power and the prestige, if you were a king of another nation, Solomon was the guy that you went to. He was the guy who, who you sought out the advice. Like he knew the things of, of how, how to lead a nation, how to do life. He knew it. And so, so Solomon writes Ecclesiastes as a means of passing on this incredible wisdom. And it's written from, from this sort of unique perspective where you've got Solomon who's, who's kind of writing as if there's a teacher teaching an audience. And, and Solomon kind of, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't let it be known that he's the teacher. He's the writer of the book. And, and the teacher is teaching this audience. And you say, well, why, why does Solomon do that? Why doesn't Solomon just write the book as if he's the teacher and, and there's people who are the audience? Because what Solomon wants to do is he wants to distance himself from, from the title of king as he passes on this wisdom. 
See, Solomon, when he spoke, everybody in the nation would have been like, oh, okay, this is a law. We need to do it. We need to obey it. And Solomon says, no, 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 no. I don't want you to think of the wisdom I'm about to tell you as this is, this is the law that you have to do. I want you to just see it for, for its profound beauty and its wisdom. I, I want you to see the logic behind what this is. I, I, I've lived the kingly lifestyle. I've had everything you could want and and here's what you need to know from that. And so he, he's going to play the role of a writer who's, who's offering teaching to an audience, and occasionally he'll, he'll interject some of his thoughts. And, and this is addressed to the wise. It's addressed to those who want to realize what life is really all about. It's a call to say, what do you actually have in life and what do you actually not really have in life? And how do you even see life at all? That real meaning and real value don't depend on the things that we think that they do, right? That the wisest of the wise will find a place in life to enjoy God, to enjoy the gifts that God has given us while living in extreme reverence and, and, and relationship with God. And so what Solomon does, he, he sort of frames life. He says, I want you to see life for what it is. Like, not, not just like today. I want you to see life, like all that you are and all that you're gonna do and all that you long for, all that you hope for and all that you dream of. I want you to see it as it really is. In other words, Solomon says, if you dare, if you dare to ask the deep questions, if you are brave enough to really stop and say, where do my desires really take me? What's the end of everything that I run after? If you're wise enough if you're humble enough to, to step and look and step back and look and say, how much time do I really spend chasing after this and why do I really chase after it? Solomon says that what you'll find is that much of life is actually meaningless, empty, repetitive, and pointless. It, it, it's, it's like, in other words, Solomon says, if you saw it all, if you had it all, and you did it all, it all wouldn't be enough for you. You'd still want more. You'd still be missing something. It's kind of like Solomon had everything in life and it just kind of all crumbles to dirt in his hands as he's searching for meaning in it. He says it's empty. But what the book of Ecclesiastes does is it says if you sift through the, the dirt, you'll find jewels and you'll find what this is really all about. And the key question that Ecclesiastes puts in front of us is, is, is this, what is the most worthwhile way to live? If so much of what I run after is meaningless, if so much of it, if I really ask the deep questions, I really understand the end of it and, and what I'm trying to get by going there, um, th then what is the most worthwhile way to live? What, what's the point of it all? What's the point of my ambition? What's the point of my money? What's the point of my time? What's the point of my efforts and my talents? What's the point of my life and the point of my death? And when we understand it, then we can say, what's the most worthwhile way to live? Well, let's read Ecclesiastes chapter one. The words of the teacher, son of David, king in Jerusalem. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. What do people gain from their labels at which they toil under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun sets and hurries back to where it rises. 
The wind blows to the south and turns to the north. Round and round it goes, ever returning on its course. All streams flow into the same sea, yet the sea is never full. To the place where the streams come from, they return again. All things are wearisome, more than one can say. The eye never has enough of seeing, nor the ear its fill of hearing. What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which one can say, look, there is something new? It was here already, long ago. It was here before our time. No one remembers the former generations, and even those yet to come, and even those yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow them. Let's pray. Our God and Father, as we look at this perspective on life, it's bleak, it's not exciting, it's, it's not necessarily positive, but there's much of this that's real. And so, Father, as we look at this, and, and, and as we've said, you know, so much of what Solomon did was look for meaning in life, and it just crumbled, Lord. I pray that we sift through the pieces and we find true meaning in you, that we find true joy in a world full of things that just don't satisfy. In your name we pray, amen. You know, some people actually have said that they don't think Ecclesiastes belongs in the Bible because of this depressive nature to it, because it's just kind of this book of despair. It's got pessimism throughout it. But, but I, I want you to hang with it, because I think what we'll find out is there is great value in seeing life as God wants us to see it and understanding what we can expect of something and understanding what we really can't expect of something. You know, I, I'm going to cook later today. It's part of like my deal as I love to cook. And, and Father's Day, I want to cook. We, we actually had a bit of an argument last year because my wife cooked the steaks without me. And I was like, that was the point. I wanted to cook the steaks. Um, and, uh, and so that's like a big deal for me. And uh, like one of the things I love to do is smoke meat. And I like to barbecue. And, and you put a good dry rub on there and you smoke it for a bunch of hours and it's good. But the dry rub, it's like the, these, these ingredients of different spices. And it's really all about a balance. Like if you go into it, if you want to get four cups of a dry rub and you put three cups of garlic powder in, it's like, whoa, that's not going to work, right? You need, you need like salt, you need sugar, you need paprika, you need uh, some rosemary ground up, fresh, you know, like good stuff, right? Um, it, but it's all about the balance. And what Solomon says, if you, put, if you, if you let it go, if the balance goes out of skew, man, it's empty. Wow, it'll disappoint you. It'll never be what you want. It'll be, it'll be hevel is the word that he uses, meaningless. Hevel is, is a word that appears 38 times in, in the Hebrew in the book of Ecclesiastes. And it's hard to bring some of these words that are real like metaphorical words from one language into the next because like if we say meaningless, that's like one part of what he says. If it's like, you know, hevel is, it, it's life is, it's temporary, it's fleeting, it's like vapor or like smoke. And, and so because of its frailty, because of how quick it's here and it's gone, it, it, it doesn't have the purpose that we want it to have. It's not reliable. And, and so he comes back to this again and again, that, that, it's, that it's hevel, that life is filled with beauty, but it goes away quickly. That, that we have a strong sense of, of justice, but then injustice keeps showing up again and again. That, that it doesn't, he says it's like we're chasing after the wind. 
And, and so chapter one sort of lays this out. He, he says it's like chasing after the wind. It's heavy, it's meaningless because, because there's no real progress. He says, think about the, the sun. It, it goes up and comes down every day. Think about the water. The, the, the streams fill the ocean, but the ocean's never full. Think about the wind. It just, it just keeps going on. It's repetitive. Generations come and generations go, and we have the same problems in a different way. It's the same thing again and again. He says, your eyes can see and see and see, and they'll never see enough. Your ears can hear and hear and hear, and they'll never hear enough. And he says, much of what, even the good things that you do are going to be forgotten. It's like, awesome, Solomon, great pep talk. I am ready to go get life and grab it by the heels and just go. Let's go. When I was a kid, um, my dad, I'm talking about Father's Day, my dad, I love my dad. He, he, uh, he's been in heaven for about three and a half years now, and I miss him. But um, I think back to some of the things that we did together, some of those memories that we share. And one of them, when we were a kid, he took us to see the Harlem Globetrotters. You ever see the Harlem Globetrotters? It's, it's like this fun basketball team where it's more about the show than it is about the game. And, you know, and so you, they're playing like the same team again and again. They always win. They always win. If you're, gonna, if you're looking for a bet to win, bet on the Globetrotters, right? Um, and and uh, like we went to the show and, and they're like, you know, they make the other team look bad. They hide the basketball on their shirt and, you know, uh, have like a ball with a string on it and they keep pretending to pass it to them. It's just embarrassing them, right? And the other team was like the Washington Generals or whatever. And they're always going to lose. Can you imagine like being the coach for them? Before the game, being like, guys, I really think we've got a chance. We've lost 1,582 times in a row, but this one's going to be different. I know they're going to embarrass us. They're going to throw a pie in your face. They're going to make you look dumb. But trust me, we're going to win this time. I, I feel like that's, that's Solomon here. Like, like, you don't have a chance. If you think that this is, if you think that you can chase after anything in this world, and you think by chasing it, you'll get satisfaction. If you think by chasing, you'll win, you'll lose. Wow, thank you, Solomon. But, but what's, his, what's his point here? His basic goal is to identify all the ways that we try to find meaning and purpose apart from God. And to show us what happens when we do so. He tries to identify all the ways that we try to find meaning and purpose apart from God. And he just lets them crumble. And he says, do you think wealth will be what gives you meaning? Watch it crumble. If you think your career and the prestige, watch it crumble. We're gonna, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to look at each of these topics that he addresses in, in the book of Ecclesiastes. If you, think, if you think wealth, if you think pleasure, if you think status, if you think these are going to be the things that when you chase them and you get to the end, that's going to be what it is, it'll crumble. If you think by the chase, you'll win, you'll lose. Right, and, and so life is short, and so then we live in the most worthwhile way where nothing here becomes an obsession, where the day-to-day -day doesn't become what just steals all of our focus, and we, we understand the, the bigger picture. What Solomon offers is this profound understanding of frailty, of the frailty and just temporary nature of life. It can't give you what you think it will if you pull God out. And you let God be just somehow a lesser component of life. 
he makes a statement. There's nothing new under the, the sun. And, and you read that, and I'm like, Solomon, I'm pretty sure you didn't have an iPhone. You, you don't understand. There's, there's new stuff all the time. No, Solomon, Solomon was at the forefront of innovation and invention. Solomon wasn't saying we couldn't create something new. He just said, go ahead and create something new and watch it do the same old thing. Like, go ahead and, and make something and, and watch. Watch what people will do with it and how they will use it as a means to increase their toil and their work wherever they go and whatever they do so that by advancing even further in their careers, they'll get more of what they think they want. Go ahead and make somebody new, make something new and watch, watch how people will look at it as if it's the most important thing and chase after it. Watch how people will use it as a means of trying to gain influence and prestige amongst people around them so that more and more people will be impressed with them. And Solomon says, go ahead and make something new and it'll be empty and meaningless in no time. It won't take long before we expect it to be something it couldn't be. It won't be long until it crumbles like dirt in our hands. Why? Because this is the same old song and dance. If you chase something and you think by chasing it, you'll win, you'll lose. Chase whatever you want and it will eventually disappoint. The world is ceaseless like this, Solomon says. Ecclesiastes 1 and 16, he says, says, this is what happens when I went after wisdom itself. Look at it. I said to myself, look, I have increased in wisdom more than anyone who has ever ruled over Jerusalem before me. I have experienced much of wisdom and knowledge. Then I applied myself to the understanding of wisdom and also of madness and folly, but I learned that this too is a chasing after the wind. For with much wisdom comes much sorrow. The more knowledge, the more grief. Solomon says, I chased. And I chased wisdom and I chased knowledge. And you know what it got me? More emptiness. So the writer will chase fame through the masterpiece, the athlete through the record books, the social media influencer through, through the attention of others, the CEO through power and through money and prestige. The, the intellectual will chase life after, after knowledge and knowing everything. And, and Solomon says, it will crumble like dirt in your hands. If that's the point, if that's the point, it will never satisfy. You know what, you know what he says? He says that in all of these things, what we're looking for is this sense of personal worth. But what they all are is they're, they're all vain attempts to secure an authentic sense of personal worth. That's what they all are. All of these things, when we, when we pull God out, we make them the most important thing. What we're really searching for is this authentic sense that I matter, that I'm valuable, that my life was lived, that, I, that I'm worthwhile. But that's not where you're able to find it. Think for a second. Solomon says about generations come and the generations that go. Think through your own family lineage. Think back down the line. And what do you remember of your great-great-grandparents? People who no doubt worked hard. People who certainly made lots of sacrifices and did many things and had many experiences. But what do you remember? My mom and I were, uh, we were spending some time together yesterday, and uh, she referenced, she, she asked me, do you remember Gigi? Gigi was my great-grandmother. I like, I remember Gigi. And then I stopped, and I was like, I remember one thing in my mind where Gigi came and was kind for three minutes. And that's it. That's all I remember of this woman 
who could have in her own time been incredibly godly, incredibly kind, and just this amazing woman. But all of her toil, all of her work, all of her labor, labor, and, and, and what I remember is she was kind for three minutes. Solomon says that, look, we toil and we work and, and we're forgotten. And there's nothing gained. If you think the chase is something you can win, you lose. So what do we do with this? This, this is life apart from, so, so what do we do with this? Solomon says it just rains despair. It just rains disappointment. And, and, and so what we find in the scriptures is the hope of an umbrella in the middle of a rainstorm. These are like my favorite kind of umbrellas because when I was a kid, I would always, you know, my mom would be like, get an umbrella and I'd walk right up next to my brother and I'd be like, oh, it didn't work. Ah, oh, it didn't work. There we go. And I would just do that right in his face and be like, got one. And I would open it and then my brother would be like, you just opened an umbrella in my face. I'm like, sorry. It was sort of an accident. By the way, dad, dad joke on Father's Day, you know what animal likes an umbrella? Umbrellaphant. You can use that one. Go ahead. Do you ever have an umbrella in a rainstorm that was broken? Man, it's annoying, isn't it? Just water dripping down or it's, it's, it's just not working. It's not doing its job. Solomon essentially says that, that wealth is like, an is like a broken umbrella in a rainstorm. Pleasure is like a broken umbrella in a rainstorm. Your career is like a broken umbrella in a rainstorm. And he just goes down through Ecclesiastes again and again of all these different things that we think are going to provide us with, with a break from the downpour that are going to keep us dry, that are going to keep us happy in the downpour. And he just says one by one, that umbrella's broken, that umbrella's broken, that one's broken. You're like, wow, Solomon. Like, then what's the point? This is the point is there's an umbrella that's not broken. The point is that in a world of despair, there's God and there's a relationship with him who allows everything to have meaning. And so in a world that keeps raining, we're safe from the rain because we understand life for what it is and we understand how this all works, but we understand that, that really this is life and its shortcomings are, are all meant for me to understand there's one with no shortcomings. In a world where I'm constantly wanting to be loved by something or someone, there's one who loves me perfectly. And so we look to him and we, we strive for him. I, I, my marriage isn't gonna do this. My career's not going to do this. My money's not going to do this. My prestige isn't going to. Dwayne Garrett, he, he gives kind of this synopsis overview of, of how the teacher is operating in the book of Ecclesiastes. He says, nevertheless, the teacher's arguments drive the readers not to self, but to God as the only giver of permanent worth not simply to doctrines about God or the teachings of the wise, but to the very person of God. Not to this sort of formal approach that, that there's a God and I can come to a building and worship him, but, but that you actually know him, like relationally. You, you read his word and you converse with him in prayer and, 
and you walk with him in life as his spirit guides you to follow after him, to, to love people and to sacrifice for others, to, to abstain from a lifestyle that's sinful and apart from him. And it's a walk and it's a journey. This is where the scriptures in, in John will talk about abiding in God, that we would have this like ongoing relationship with him where we're interacting with him and following him and loving him. See, what we understand is that, that so much of this world is, is just temporary. And none of us will accomplish everything that we want to in life. And God says, that's okay, because that's not the point of life. The point of life is not that by accomplishing everything you set out to do, that you somehow have proved to yourself that this was worth living, and then you can go home and rest your eyes satisfied. Now, the point of the life, point of life is to enjoy God to walk with him. Maybe you get to accomplish most of what you wanted. Maybe you don't get to accomplish much of what you wanted at all. I know some people who, man, they had what they would say would be a bad hand, hand dealt to them and, and they didn't get to do the things they wanted to do. They didn't have the opportunities. And, and you can either live in the shadow of not wanting to, not getting to have done what you wanted to, to have accomplished. Or you can say that's not really even the point of life. The point of life is more than that. See, God is the umbrella that says you don't have to prove anything to anyone, not even yourself, to be satisfied in life, to find real meaning. 1 Peter 1 and verse 22 says this. It says, Now that you have purified yourself by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for one another, love one another deeply from the heart, for you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through living, through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Yeah, it's meaningless. Yeah, it's temporary. But that doesn't mean that we are. And that doesn't mean that what we do for God is. Do you ever go to the beach and write your name in the sand right where the waves are coming in? It doesn't last very long, does it? If you, if you went out in the evening and went out and drew this incredible, magnificent masterpiece, this, you know, the, this Picasso in the sand right at the, the tide break, you'd come out in the morning and it would all be gone. And Solomon says, that's, that's life. That's your efforts. And Solomon, writing before Christ and before the hope that Jesus brings, he's writing about how the despair of life just overwhelms us when we look at it without God. First Peter comes along and says, yeah, Solomon was right. You're like a, a flower in a field. Oh, thanks, I'm pretty. No, 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 that's not what I meant. You're not gonna be here long. Ha. Huh. But everything you do for Jesus Christ will last forever. And you don't write your name in the sand, you write your name in the concrete. I remember talking to somebody who, who uh, when they were younger, scribbled their name in the cement while it was still wet. And you know what? You go back years later, it's still there. The word of God endures forever, Peter says. We're not born of perishable seed, but of imperishable seed through the living and enduring word of God. Oh, we're, like, we're like grass, we're gonna fade. So does that mean our life is empty? No, he says, love one another deeply. 
We're just going to be like a flower. We're here today. We're gone tomorrow. Does that mean that we just, we just do whatever we want? We just do whatever feels good? No. Love one another deeply because it's not all waste. It doesn't all just go away. The word of God is enduring forever. And so look, if you want real meaning, if you want a life that has real value, then you have to look beyond just what you can see. You have to see the world through the eyes of faith that says everything I do for Jesus Christ lasts forever. Everything I do for him matters. If you take parenting, and you put it in this category as if God's not real, man, it's just exhausting. It's just getting through it till they get out of the house sometimes. It's just, it's just a thing that we do, and we try to find meaning in it, and then our kids don't really appreciate it. They don't see the efforts, and they don't see the sacrifice. If, parents, have you ever said, do you, do you have any clue why I'm doing this? Have you ever said that, or some version of that to your kids? And then, then, what if they never appreciate it? What if they never have a moment where it clicks and says, wow, dad, you really did a lot. Is it not worth doing because they never realized it? What, the, what First Peter says is absolutely. Absolutely it is because God sees it. And he's the one who attributes value. He's the one who gives it worth. And he's the one who takes what is meaningless and gives it endless meaning. Donald Glenn, when he writes about this, he says, Solomon intended to demonstrate empirically empirically to people, the insecurity of all human effort to provide any real meaning, value, or significance to their lives under the sun and to drive them to trust in God alone. See, the jewel here is that the dirt crumbles. The jewel here is that we are not disillusioned about that which is temporary and that which is eternal. We're not disillusioned. We understand it. We understand what life can give us and, and, and what it can't. We understand what it's capable of and we understand what it's not capable of. Imagine for a second if you had a, a, an elementary school play and it was, they were doing Peter Pan and so you were going to see the play and, and when you got there, you saw Roger Ebert, the great film critic, was going to the play as well. His, his like little nephew was there and he was in the play and and let's just say you sat, sat next to Robert Ebert and he watched the play like he's watched every other film his entire life. And he watched it as the critic and, and he's sitting next to you going, well, that accent seems a little bit different from when they started. They forgot that line. I just feel like they haven't really connected with the deeper plot line here. You'd look at him and be like, you understand this is an elementary school play, right? Like, these are third graders. They have no training. They have no ability. They cannot possibly live up to your expectations of what this is. That's what Solomon says. He says, don't look at life as if life is going to be able to live up to all your expectations for satisfaction. Don't look at it as if it's going to be the thing that satisfies everything that you want. Don't look at beauty as if beauty will be that thing. Don't look at prestige. Don't look at popularity. Don't look at all these things that we try to do as if they're going to be able to give you the things that they, they look like they are. You won't even live in the realm of satisfaction. They cannot do it. You are setting yourself up to anticipate what cannot be fulfilled. 
No, meaning and life are in Jesus Christ. And he designs, and Colossians 1 says, all things are for him, all things are by him, to his glory. He's the point of all of it. And so if everything seems to disappoint in life, Solomon would say, you've probably expected too much from it. If everything seems to dissatisfy and it feels like it lacks meaning, it's because it does. And you're looking at it wrong. You've shown up to the third grade play like a film critic looking to see a Broadway. It's not gonna work. Only Jesus Christ can live up to the full weight of your expectations, your hope, and your glory. Everything else will fall under the weight of our own expectations. And if you do that, if you do that, you, you, you're going you're gonna to find that life isn't able to be what it is. See, what Solomon says in, essentially in chapter one is this, is that you'll, un, either, you'll either enjoy life and what it can offer as a gift or you'll hate it as a God. There's no middle ground. You'll either enjoy life and what it can offer as a gift or you'll hate it as a God. You, you can't have it both ways. God is God. And he's the one who gives us life. And he's the one who gives us all the things that we've talked about. And he gives it to us as a gift. But he alone, he the gift giver, is the ultimate. Right? If you come to just enjoy life as, as a kid's play, incapable of fully wowing you and fully impressing you, then you'll find yourself able to be satisfied by the God who is above and working in and through it all. See, I mentioned that the beginning of this was addressed to the wise because the wise are able to discern and the wisest of the wise will find a place in life where they can enjoy God as the highest and everything else underneath him. And that's when things fall into balance. And that's the tension that they work with. When I was on the farm hanging out with Max, afterwards they put me to work and they let me drive a tractor which later in the day, I made the statement, I guess you can't turn a pastor into a farmer after all. And they all laughed at me as if they should have known that to begin with, because they let me drive what they said was the easiest tractor to drive, the most reliable tractor. It's old, you can't mess it up. And I was sitting in the, the field with a couple of washers in my hand two hours later, and the machine wouldn't turn on. And I had to tell the farmer that I broke his tractor. And that was not a fun moment. And so I'm, I'm on the phone with him. I'm like, I don't understand what's going on here, but it won't shift. I can't turn it on. And I've got pieces in my hand. <laughs> and he's like, you know what? Actually, I think I know what happened. He said that the, the gear on that, if, you, if you're a little too rough with it, it'll knock that, that outer washer off. And that one's, that one's supposed to be locked on there. And if that's off, then the whole assembly just goes out of whack and you, you, you can't shift at all. There's no tension in there. It just doesn't, it's not held in place. And and I was like, okay, so can I fix it? And he said, no, you're done. <laughs> you just walk on back to the farm. <laughs> okay. Look, if you don't let God be the ultimate, nothing holds it in place. Everything just kind of slides around and slips around. And, and so then when stuff goes wrong in our household, it's a bigger deal than it is. When work doesn't go the way that we want, it's a bigger deal than it is. When my plans don't come to fruition, it's a bigger deal than it is. Why? Because I've let it all become a bigger deal to me than it was supposed to be. If you think the chase is something you can win, you'll lose every time. 
At the end, life was never meant to be about life. It was meant to be about Jesus Christ. When we let him be front and center, everything falls into place and it's held in its right order. Let's pray. Our God and Father, I pray that our hearts would stay joyful in the reign of this world and the broken nature of it. Scriptures tell us that sin has entered this world and it's tarnished every piece of this creation in some way, shape, or form, ourselves included. And hope is not found in this world apart from you. And so, Father God, I pray that we are people who, as Colossians say, we set our hearts on things above. We set our minds on things above. As Philippians says, that we would, we would train our hearts to think about whatever is pure, whatever is true, whatever is right, whatever is nobly, noble, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. Why? Because these things draw us to you. Because, Lord, at the end of the day, you are what this is all about. And I pray that we would keep it all in balance as we keep you at the front and center. In your son's name we pray. Amen.